Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, it yeah. is it is a time. We are in the middle <laughs> of award season. We have multiple awards to talk about. We are getting new information for new seasons coming up. It feels knocking on wood like we are getting back to our normal theatrical schedule obviously there are still a ton of shows that are being hit by covid stuffs is closed through the 22nd um which way to the stage has a soft return scheduled for the 22nd i don't really understand what they're like they're saying performances through the 19th are canceled and soft closed through the 22nd so shows are certainly being hit by covid still but it feels like oh, as things mean- are getting announced they do they mean the show oh, the comes show. off? Oh my god, yeah. I'm so stupid. No, I read no. that press release. I, I I was like, wait, this might be a time where I actually am helpful. No, no, no. You're always <laughs> of course. You're taking my ticket to the show soft. Yeah. Um how could I forget? <laughs> I've read that press release like headline in a hurry and I was like, Oh, I'm an idiot. Okay. Never mind. Either way, shows are still dealing with COVID, but we are getting announcements, are getting awards. So it feels like we're getting kind of back to the swing of things. And uh, it's exciting, if not a bit overwhelming. Yeah, I think that's it's it's a really it's an exciting time. But at the same time, I am very cautious about being in the city. I know a lot of other people are in a very similar boat as me. They've I've been seeing people on social media be like, I um, need to see shows like, you know, I know Tony voters that are like, I just I'm scared to come into the city. And it's just like, yeah, it's a valid concern. and, And we're having a surge right now. And it's just it's just an unfortunate thing for all parties because of course we're excited that quote theater is back and then you know at the same time we're like but also we are still in a pandemic and we do need to be um you know aware and don't be like me where you go to a stage door to see billy crystal that was i was at a distance it felt good but other than that i've not been doing that because i'm just so concerned with the health and well-being of performers i'm concerned with billy's health at all times i know he had the flu recently um Mm -hmm. but uh again like you know we're just all trying to put our best foot forward and and unfortunately, you know, we've had a lot of casualties like we're having right now with what you just said about about shows not being able to do all of their scheduled performances. But a lot of them are extending. So I think we're going to have a lot of, you know, lead into the Tony season like mid-June. Like, oh, we're having to extend because we missed so much in May. Yeah, I I know it's a crazy time, but we have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. So let's get into the news. And we are going to start with some award winners. We've been talking a lot about nominees, but yesterday we got the Outer Critics Circle winners announced. We're going to run through these. First up, the Marjorie Gunner Award for Outstanding New Broadway Musical went to six. Keep in mind that A Strange Loop was not eligible for reasons that it was available, you know, ready for other things, but um, it was not originally written for Broadway. So six is the winner there. Outstanding new Broadway play is the Lehman Trilogy. Outstanding new off-Broadway musical Kimberly Akimbo. Outstanding new off-Broadway play Prayer for the French Republic. The John Gassner Award, which is presented to a new American play, preferably by a new playwright, went to uh, English by Sanaz Tusi. Outstanding revival of a musical for Broadway or off-Broadway went to Company. Outstanding revival of a play, Broadway or off-Broadway, went to Take Me Out. And I want to talk about this here. And let's let's actually do this now before we get into the performers. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, talk about it. (laughs) This is interesting to me because Take Me Out had a ton of nominations, which is not surprising because it had a lot of eligible actors, like more eligible actors 
um, to gobble up award nominations uh, for the Tonys. I had kind of assumed this would be like the runner up in a lot of the um, revival of the play categories for the Tonys where I thought How I Learned to Drive would probably win a bunch of them. But Take Me Out seems to have a lot of momentum, including this. We saw a lot of nominations in the drama desks the other day. So uh, what is your feeling on this category? Uh, yeah, I was going to actually say a similar thing. I'm wondering if there's a redemption arc for how the Jesse Williams situation has played out, you know, as far as, you know, feeling like mm-hmm. uh, for, for rightful reasons. I know I wasn't on the show when you guys talked about it last week, but I definitely voiced yeah. my opinion about this on social media, so I don't have to get into it. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I think that what you're saying is totally right that we're kind of in this like oh okay so we're having a redemption arc for this show not that it was in any place that need to be redeeming i'm just saying that it has now surprised us with so much conversation about its eligibility for a lot of award recognition and a lot of recognition from the press and and critics and so on and so forth um so yeah no no i agree with you i this one has really surprised me at its level of but again a lot of this stuff hinges on the fact that it's so right now right like if we were having this conversation five months ago i feel like the conversation would be more geared towards like Clyde, Skeleton Crew, Passover. I mean, there's just the list goes on and on and on. And I know those things aren't exactly the same eligibility rate because we just talked about that. But uh, all that being said, it does stand to say that like the shows that have already closed are not a part of the conversation as palpably as is even the right way to use that word. I don't know. Um, But it's not it's not part of the same conversation that we're having about Take Me Out because it is right now. I mean, literally featured uh, basically a segment taking it off on SNL. You know, this past weekend, it's oh, it's did hit. They really? Yes, it's hit that big of of a conversation piece. You know, I've seen Variety, E. I mean, everyone has picked this up, so it's no surprise to me that it's gotten this far. And what's interesting about this is, is that you mentioned some of the shows that are not getting the conversation. I am still utterly shocked that Passover and Is This a Room have not been included in a lot of these conversations. And even in this revival category, like Trouble in Mind is still hanging around. If this, if it had been, you know, done five, six months later than it actually was when it was still running, I think Trouble in Mind would have been in the conversation for a lot of these. But um, yeah, it's always I've, fun. I've had the same conversation with a lot of colleagues about Carolina Change. You know, this was such a yeah. huge revival to be doing. Same with Trouble in Mind. They were going on at the same time for Roundabout Theater Company, right? And, you know, it's already closed, but now it's been shifted. The revival category, at least for, for most considerations, has been shifted more towards company. We're getting a lot of, like, Sondheim sentiment. They're really right to, you know, it, it, in the right respects and all the things. I'm not saying that it's <laughs> tacky or anything, but, you know, the, the, the Sondheim playbills are coming out at a really purposeful full time and um you know it wasn't around his birthday you know they know what they're doing i'm in marketing i get it um but yeah so so it's just been it's been interesting and i think that this is again a perfect time for us to all be considering the fact that timing is everything and so yeah i just i can't wait to hear the rest of your (laughs) keep going (laughs) yeah all right so let's get into the winners for the performance categories outstanding actor in a musical went to jaquel spivey for a strange loop that would be shocked if anything else happened other than that outstanding actress in a musical went to victoria clark for Kimberly Akembo, outstanding featured actor in a musical, went to Matt Doyle for for a company. I think that will remain true in the Tonys as well. Outstanding featured actress in a musical, Patti Lapone for company. And I did a, believe it or not, um, our mutual friend Jamie Urich, right? You're friends with Jamie, right? 
You know, no? I think she owns some of my art, but I've never yes, met her. Yes, that's it. That's right. Yeah, we were supposed to go. <laughs> Which is so she was cool. Supposed to go with, she was supposed to go with us to Assassins back yeah. in November, and she ended up having to leave town earlier. But anyway, um, we did a, a Tony nominations podcast for our Ohio State website that we work for, um, because why the hell not? And um, we got in this conversation about Patty Lapone, like, I would not give this award to Patty Lapone. Not that she doesn't deserve it, not that she's not great in company, but like... She's been doing this part on and off for like over a decade and she's great, but like, I know. uh, So we'll see. No, it's been hard. I I never, ever, ever want to, you know, say ill of of anyone, especially Patty, but it's been a funny thing of like, oh, um, yeah. I think she's good. Like, you know, it, it's it, she does a fantastic job. We all know this because we've been watching her do it for so many years. And it is fun and exciting. But I agree with you. I think that a, a part of the consideration for, for all categories going forward, I'm like, she's not part of my conversation, at least. Yeah. Uh, moving into the play categories, outstanding actor mm-hmm. in a play. This is super interesting. Simon Russell Beale for the Lehman Trilogy. I kind of assumed that all of those three actors for the Lehman trilogy would kind of not necessarily cancel each other out, but they're so hard to distinguish between the three because they're more or less all doing the exact same thing. So it's interesting that one of those actually uh, took home an award. So we'll see what that means for the Tonys. Outstanding actress in a play went to LaShawn's for Trouble in Mind, which made me very happy. Outstanding featured actor in a play, Jesse Tyler Ferguson for Take Me Out. Outstanding uh, featured actress in a play, Uzo Aduba, for Clyde's and rounding out the performance categories, outstanding solo performance, Christina Wong for Christina Wong Sweatshop Overlord. Um, anything in there stand out to you? Like, I kind of love that Uzo and LaShawn's one for shows that, as you mentioned, have been closed for a while. And for that respect, Simon Russell Beale for the Lehman Trilogy, yeah. another play that has been closed for many a month. <laughs> I think that this is, I didn't get to say this last week, and we've been talking about so many different award shows that I haven't gotten the opportunity to speak on this one particular thing. But as I, this sounds so self-aggrandizing, please bear with me, everybody. As a person who has written and performed their own show, um, watching Christina Wong take on all of these accolades and recognitions and the fact that she was a Pulitzer Prize winning finalist last week and, and her work mm-hmm. getting recognized as a solo artist, it just warms my heart. And, and again, we've, we talked about it on the show before. It's Asian American, Native uh, Hawaiian, Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Every time I see another Asian name, face, what have you, on any of these ballots, I have to call it out because it's just, it's not enough, Matt. It's just not, it's few and far between. And um, yeah. I'm just so honored and excited by her work. And if you didn't get to catch it at New York Theater Workshop, I am sure that there's going to be another way for you to ingest this piece. Um, I, you know, we got to see, Ashley and I got to see it um on the zoom <laughs> very very mm-hmm. early on so i'm thankful for that but i just want to say like as a pulitzer prize finalist as a solo you know writer performer everything this is just so exciting so i just want to say again christina wong besos <laughs> yeah very nice all right let's move on to the nominees for the cheetah rivera awards and this is always interesting because like <laughs> they say this is like the fourth or fifth i don't know whatever cheetah rivera awards but these used to be the fred astaire awards so i don't know why they don't just continue the whole history and say it's like the 50th whatever but anyway the nominees for outstanding choreography in a broadway show camille a brown for for color girls warren carlisle for the music man bill t jones garrett coleman jason oremus for paradise square annie b parson for american utopia sonia Taya 
Chef for Moulin Rouge. Man, that show has been open for three years, and she's just now getting the nomination <laughs> because of this. L- literally, that show opened in twenty ni- summer it. of 2019. She has a Tony already for it. Um, Christopher Wheeldon for MJ. Outstanding male dancer in a Broadway show. Sydney DuPont for uh, Paradise Square. Miles Frost for MJ. Jared Grimes for Funny Girl. Hugh Jackman for The Music Man. AJ Shively for Paradise Square. And Tony Yazbek for Flying Over Sunset. Outstanding female dancer in a Broadway musical. Sutton Foster for The Music Man. Robin Herter for Moulin, Ro- Moulin Rouge. Uh, Tendaye Kumba for, for Colored Girls. Heather Lang for Jagged Little Pill. And Adrian Warren for Tina. The Tina Turner musical. My God. Jesus that show is older. <laughs> My goodness. Outstanding ensemble in a Broadway show, American Utopia for Colored Girls, MJ, Moulin Rouge, Paradise Square, and The Music Man. Um, We will also have a link um, to everything else that they have, including like dance on film, um, dance in documentaries. But I will mention that the Cheetah Rivera Awards are recognizing three off-Broadway or two off-Broadway things. And this it just absolutely makes me laugh that outstanding ensemble and an off-Broadway show goes to the wrong man. I feel like that what show... What year is it? That was a different I, marriage ago for me. Are you fucking kidding me? That's insane. <laughs> I had a different last name when I saw that. That's nuts. Matt and I love the wrong man, so we could go no, on and on. we don't. don't. <gasps> oh, wait. No, no, no. We love talking about the fact that we, we both differ on the wrong man. <laughs> yeah, not my thing. Um, but also, outstanding choreography in an off-Broadway show um, went to Josh Prince for Trevor, which will be on Disney Plus here coming up very soon. All right, something else that I think we have a disagreement on, Grace, because we disagreed about it in our infamous text chain. Uh, oh, today, yeah, but... I'm, I'm excited to talk about this, actually. <laughs> Let's yeah, go. So, so you and I famously had season subscriptions to Encore's season this year, and I don't know, maybe this means we're going to have to get them again, because yesterday New York City Center announced the annual gala presentation for the 2022-2023 season will be a production of Jason Robert Brown and Alfred Urey's 1998 Tony-winning musical Parade. The gala benefit performances will begin on Tuesday, November 1st, and will run through November 6th, and they will star Tony Emmy and Grammy winner Ben Platt, a well, uh, along with Michaela Diamond as husband and wife Frank and Lucille. And the show will be directed by Tony-nominated director Michael Arden. Um, this is fascinating to me because as we talked about, we've talked about it here on this show before many a moon ago, that um, Michaela and Ben Platt did a workshop slash reading of this show for Roundabout, I believe with Michael Arden as well. And so I don't know if they are doing this in November, which I'd have to go back and check when like Sunday in the Park or or um, Little Shop were, because those were the gala performances. I'd have to check and see if those were in the fall, but like for the season proper, that's super early for um, for encores. So I don't know if this uh-huh. is like uh, – so I don't know. Like, And I said this like as soon as the announcement came out in our text, I was like, does this mean like they're going to do it? This is like a workshop and then move it straight to roundabout in the spring? Because that's what this feels like to me. Am I reading too much into that or – No, you're not what? reading too much into that. I don't believe. Okay. Uh, okay. Because you're right. It's been like talked about for a while. I'm so honored that I kept this secret, everybody. Look at I that. Didn't, she didn't even tell me, which is a little annoying. So. I, if, if it had gone on a week longer, to be frank, I would have texted Matt. But, but 
the truth is, is that like, you know, um, it makes sense that this is something that would move. Um, people have been talking about this type of thing for a revival for a while. Um, the timing is right. The uh, star-studded nature of it all. Like, Michaela's already held her own on Broadway, right? She's she's such a young star. Yeah. She can do it. Um, again, she's only... Is she only... legally able to drink yet? Yes. She's 22. Okay. Okay, barely. Um, okay, she's a star, but you know she was share, share. Oh yeah, um, no, no, she's amazing. Yeah, she's she's such a powerhouse. And if you read the receipts correctly, I did tweet this out uh, a couple of months ago without knowing anything. I was like, it should be her, and we're doing it right now. Um, but a, 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 there was a different Leo attached to it that I was uh, mentioning. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. It makes sense for them to move it that early if they're going to do it in November. Um, doing a spring revival just like feels good. Um, so it makes sense. Yeah, we will see. You and I disagreed over the mm. ages of these two actors uh, doing these roles. Um, and you and I, interestingly enough, recently you and I got into the discussion about age when it comes to, um, oh, oh, it was Stephanie J. Block doing Norma Desmond. Um, and that was kind of on the other side uh, of that because the role is often played older. These two seem young, even though Ben is probably in the relatively right range historically to play Leo Frank. Um, Michaela's a little young to play Lucille, but it just feels like history aside to me that these parts, honestly, it has more to do with the style of vocals um, that feel like they need a little bit more heft and gravitas to them. And they feel a little young to me to be playing these parts. But as you said, um, they're relatively close in terms of historical accuracy. And as we talked about before, we don't really care about age. It just, it felt, surprising to me that like these are the ones that they went with for this revival talent aside talent aside because they're both amazing this doesn't surprise me at all and i feel like here's here here was my argument that i had already relayed to matt so he's gonna hear it again i i actually am fine with these these two people playing these roles age-wise because i think that when we perceive age on stage it is so different than like realistic whatever because like you like we've talked about before were any of the mean girls even close to being in high school no they weren't because you have to be um you know able to hold your own eight times a week and sometimes that's not for a a person who is in high school andrew barth feldman is it's shocking and i'm sure that there's going to be a tell-all in 10 years where he says you know what that was actually really hard on my mental health and (laughs) i don't know if i was you know old enough to be doing that because you know I, i used to be a fierce advocate to say that high schoolers should play high schoolers and blah, blah, blah. But like we did this thing to Ben Platt specifically where we got, uh, we, I'm talking about like society or like, you know, social media collectively in general, everybody got so butthurt about this person who was incredibly talented, who, you know, got to play the titular deer in Deer Evan Hansen in the film. And everybody was so up in arms about how he was looking, quote, too old, right? And they crucified him for it. And it was exhausting to watch. Now cut to, he's 28 years old. Old. Leo Frank died when he was 31 years old. So he's in the perfect age range to play it. And then all we're going to hear is that he's too young. And I'm like, no, this isn't fair. He is absolutely perfectly poised to play this because at the end of the day, he's not he's not going to be playing a dad in something. They're not going to cast him as a dad or he's not going to be cast as a father figure anytime soon. But he can't for sure play high school anymore because everybody's kicked him out of that group. So where does he land? I I don't think it's fair for us to constantly come after people about the ageism stuff because as a woman in this business also I hear it all the time of like you look too old to play like middle school but you don't really look like you're about to go to college. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm 29. (laughs) 
so it's it's just really exhausting and and with Michaela being only like 22 she can play older which is so interesting you know she has this maturity about her so it just depends I can't wait to see it yeah we will see I uh, I'm interested this is not my favorite JRB <laughs> show but I think it's an interesting show to revive what? especially especially with Michael Arden I, I think that this could be a really really interesting property yeah can I don't I can you just let me have some Georgia musicals Matt just a I, few. I, I've told you the story about the pencil factory, right? Uh, I don't believe so. Maybe we'll okay. save that for another episode because we're I'm already sorry, at 20 I'm minutes. Sorry. But I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. <laughs> On the old, I used to live like 15, no, well, 20 minutes from Marietta. So I'm, I'm very familiar with the, uh, with the area. But anyway, all right, let's get into your favorite segment of this week and every week, the Broadway grosses. Last week, Broadway dipped 3% as the main <laughs> stem, lost one production with the closing of The Little Prince. I ha- like It took me 10 minutes to remember why there was one fewer show on Broadway last week than the week before. I completely forgot about The Little Prince. But in total, the Broadway box office amounts $30,349,653. Attendance dipped just 1% uh, following the closure of The Little Prince, down to 240 6,003 audience members. Following Tony nominations, four shows had six-figure gains, led by your boy, Mr. Saturday Night, which picked up Two hundred ninety-three thousand four hundred thirty-six bucks, followed by a strange loop, which added nearly two hundred fourteen k. Then take me out, gaining one hundred twenty-three thousand, and company jumping nearly one hundred three thousand. Despite all of those gains, the Music Man still remained on top with three million three hundred seventy-seven thousand five hundred fifty-four dollars. Next was Hamilton at two point oh five million. Then the Lion King and Plaza Suite were pretty much tied at one point six million, and Wicked came in at one point three six. The rest of the million-dollar grossing shows in descending order are MJ, Funny Girl, Macbeth, Six, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and Tina. Aladdin was one ticket shy of the Seven Figure Club. Down at the other end of the ladder, the skin of our teeth grossed just $115,745 on five performances. They had some shows missed because of COVID. Paradise Square brought in $235,604 on a full week. For Colored Girls, grew over $90,000, perhaps in no small part to Ayanna Prescott's uh, gifting ticket campaign. They came in at just nearly a quarter of a million dollars. Then we had Birthday Candles, Hangman, and Girl from the North Country rounding out the show's under 30,000. All right, real quick, we have two other stories that, wanna, that I want to talk about. On Tuesday, Today Ticks announced a 100,000-seat initiative to boost Broadway and off-Broadway attendance. The company is making 100,000 seats available for under $99, with 50,000 of those tickets being offered for under $50. <coughs> the tickets are available from May 17th through May 26th. We will have more information on that in the show notes. And this can serve as both a piece of news and a feel-good recommendation because yesterday we learned that one of the creators of the longest-running musical in the history of the world, The Fantastics, has re-penned the script to focus on a gay love story. Librettist and lyricist Tom Jones has worked with the Flint Repertory Producing Company or the Flint Repertory Company in Michigan for a not-for-profit professional run of the show from June 3rd through the 19th, in which the show will feature um, an LGBTQIA plus um, love story between two gay men. Matt and Lewis uh, instead of Louisa from the original uh, from the original show. Um, I, I kind of love this idea because the whole show is about a forbidden love. And although 
spoiler alert on a 60, 70 year old show, the forbiddenness of that love was actually a machination of the parents to get them to fall in love. But like, if you're telling stories in 2022 about forbidden love, having an LGBTQIA plus uh, angle on that makes a lot of sense to me, Grace. You know, at the end of the day, and we talked about this before we started recording, like that show has just always been so cleverly romantic to me. And so anytime Mm -hmm. you're featuring a positive LGBTQIA love story, I'm here for it. Yeah, absolutely. So we will have more information in the show notes on this whole process and how you can get tickets to see that if you would like. All right, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWB Matt. Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on all social media platforms at It's Grace Aki. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful hump day, and we will be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>